What's going on, everybody? It is the Willie Ashford from the Black Culture Podcast. I know you're ready to get into this interview, but before you do, make sure that you like and subscribe to our channel on YouTube, Apple, Google, and Spotify at the Black Culture Podcast. And also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Black Culture Podcast. Peace. Peace. So, high school, you became a dog. And that landed you. And before we hop into college, I just got one question. And Will, you chime in on this too. Um, I don't know, I'm calling you Will. I'm freaking calling you Will. Willie. <laughs> yeah. Willie, I'm sorry. Willie. Most people call me Will. Willie doesn't matter. Um, looking back now, you know, seeing that that was a ticket, a, a way out, what would you tell kids, black kids today? What was this like 30 years ago, I presume? Yeah. Um, First thing is, speed is the most important thing to have. Right? It's uncoachable. So if you have speed, speed, if you have speed, cherish it and nurture it. So don't 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 poison your body. You got the rest of your life to drink, smoke, party, keep that body right while you're young. It'll, you take, away from that. That, it'll <clears throat> take away from that speed. Um, you can get big, you know. Um, the next part of it is. If you want to go to the league, you can go to any school and go to the league, right? Uh, the key is to go to the school that makes you happy and that you're going to play at, right? Uh, and lastly, it's just a game. Mm. Like, so it, it is slavery. Keep that in mind. And which is, let's hop into that because you played at the college level. So I, I played football. I didn't play until high school. I didn't play until ninth grade. And I told you the story this morning. Uh, a friend of mine had a football family. Like they were the father at Heights set the record for most most touchdowns in the game. His son, who was my best friend's cousin, came behind and broke it. Like that's how good they were. Father the awards? Starks. Okay. Yeah, the Starks. So father scored five touchdowns in the game. Son came behind him and scored six. Like that's and I I was there when he scored those six touchdowns. Man, no, I'll tell you this dude, you 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 talking about legs, like it was so difficult to touch Tim Starks, man. And he was like like five no, I think he's about six six feet now, but even that time he wasn't fully grown. But just watching him play, man, it was just like it, it was just no contest. Us playing other schools, man, it was it was just crazy to watch that. But he's the reason why I got into it. My father said, so back then I used to wear these thick glasses. I got picked on as a kid. They called me Steve, Steve Urkel. <laughs> What's the weather gonna be tomorrow? Like, you know, all that type of stuff. <laughs> My dad said, if you play football, and mind you, I wasn't a football dude. I didn't even watch football. I watched basketball. My father said, if you play football, I'll buy you contact lenses. Football became my new favorite sport. So went off of football. Wasn't smart dad. Oh man, smart. Smart son, because <laughs> that's when things got real for me. But obviously, I wasn't a stud athlete. I was just kind of out there. I think I scored one touchdown my whole career, but it taught me a lot. And so what I want to ask you is that transition from high school going into college and the conversation that we had, especially about compensation. Mm -hmm. I want to know your experience and Willie, feel free to chime in on this because this is something that you and I talk about too. What was your experience and what would you have changed? Oh man, that's 
So I would say that um, the first thing I would say is uh, I would have gone either A to Ohio State or B to a black college. <clears throat> the first thing is that there was something that I was searching for as a man, as a young man, that I was never going to find in Minnesota, and that gave me problems in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. uh, second off is that um, Minnesota. I had mental health issues that I don't think as a kid I ever really dealt with, or even on a collegiate level, um, they weren't equipped to deal with. Mm -hmm. And being in finding knowledge itself, you wouldn't necessarily call that a, a mental health issue, but it is. From a young black man, you have to figure out who you are, and everyone's trying to make you a, a certain thing. So in one sense, Minnesota was um, the greatest experience I've ever had because I was away from mom, I'm reinventing myself again, right? And I'm 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 having a, I'm playing as a true freshman. I'm having a good time. The coaches got fired, so a new set of coaches came in, and that kind of changed everything. Mm -hmm. It changed how they view you as an athlete because they didn't really recruit you. Um, and then I, I, you know, I have always been somewhat of a uh, militant, pro-black type of dude, mm -hmm. and back then. And ain't like today, right? Where all this is cool, you know. Back then, like I said, having a goatee was a conversation you had to have with your coach mm -hmm. about your right as a black man to not have to shave. And they would be like, "No, we want you to be clean cut." And it's like, why is this not clean cut? Mm -hmm. Who are you to tell me? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Getting dreads and I have to cut my dreads every year before football starts because you can't have dreads. So I just really felt uh, controlled in my way of. Um, probably my way of dealing with that was to lash out and really just be a, a animal. Mm. You know, I, uh, you put anybody in a certain situation, they will become an animal. And so I found myself, um, because of the sport, number one, the sport is asking you to be violent. How do you turn that on and off, right? And then I felt disconnected in a way from my hood, my people here. So I'm around certain cats I probably shouldn't be around, <clears throat> but they from the streets, so I feel comfortable with them. Well, I don't feel comfortable with my own teammates because they from they from like Texas and places like that. I don't rock, I wasn't rocking with them. We weren't getting along, I didn't drink. You know what I mean? At the time, I was like a 5% Muslim, so I'm on some whole different shit. They praying to Jesus, I wanna pray with them. I'm like, nah, man, I ain't praying with you. can't make me pray to you, Jesus. And not to say that it was wrong, I think at the time for me, I was searching for something and they could not and did not provide the support that I needed mentally and emotionally. Mm -hmm. They provided physical support. I got big, mm -hmm. I got fast, I got strong, but they never once stopped and was like, he's unhappy, mm -hmm. right? And I think the struggle with most college or professional athletes is you doing all this stuff for other people. I never really was into sports like that. And I'm still not, like, you know, no one, I was, man, I might have been damn near 35 before I even went and watched the sporting event. Wow. I'm an artist, I'm in the art. I go to art shows, <laughs> I go to galleries, I go listen to music. I don't need to go see men beat each other up for four hours. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's what I'm wondering. Um, going to college on a football scholarship, when did art come into play where you started to pursue film? It was always there. It was I, always mean, there. I started writing. I wrote my first one I played when I was like probably 10. 
I was already into it, like in my own way. It wasn't for others. Most artists in the beginning is for you. You make art for you. I make art for me. I don't. The, the, the fan or the, the people that get to view it, they just they're, they're just lucky I'm sharing it. It's not for them, mm. right? Most artists, it's for us. We want to get whatever's in here out so we can see it, right. we can hear it. You get to enjoy it with us because it's physical now. Mm -hmm. But it was driving me crazy for three years in my head. So I'm trying to get it out of my head, right? Mm. So I started writing plays and drawing comic books at a really young age. And then I would take all my toys and just, man, I don't Take them out. Dude, take them out. Take them apart, bro. <laughs> I had G.I. Joe with four arms, or two, you know what I'm saying? I took He-Man and broke him all apart. He was a black He-Man, we had painted his ass. So I was just into, and that's why I think teachers, I go back to black males. Um, they confuse our creativity with mental illness. So while I'm in class drawing pictures or writing stuff, I remember teachers show, I drew out, like, like back then, it's right, it's right when X-Men, remember X-Men wasn't that popular. It was right when they got popular, right? That happened in my lifetime. Before that, they didn't mess with X-Men. That was like some hippie shit, right? So they got popular and I was drawing this piece and like I made a black Wolverine and some other shit. It was like, some, it was like a, one of the dudes that has the, the X on his eye, he had a, a gun that he carried. So I drew this weird type of gun. Man, them teachers are talking about when your son's drawing violence and I'm thinking, like it's from a comic book. So I go back to the artist being confused. So it was always there in the hood. When I was real young, I was embarrassed to show up to people. So like I wrote, I would throw volumes of poetry away because it just wasn't cool. So other cats would, you know, going back to the gay comments, people go, oh man, you gay for doing that. I played the flute. I got to stop playing the flute because cats was pressing me on that. So a lot of times in our urban area, we can't even be ourselves because cats are pressing you about what is masculine and what is black, mm -hmm. right? So I go back to when we went to the suburbs, nobody was pressing me on what was black. I told them what was black. I told them what was hot, you feel me? So I realized that I could do that, that I had the power to dictate what blackness was. So I kept writing and keeping it to myself. I, I was like, that's how I got the chicks. You think that was like part of like your stress too, not being able to oh, yeah. Cause like they wouldn't even let me be around. What you said now, that still goes on. Yeah. Like I said like that's nothing that just happened back in the day. And I think like we talked about in the beginning, if it's not football or basketball, you feel like you have no talent and that's not true. Well like, you're 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 demonized. You're exactly yeah. so it's like, yo, like it's people write poetry. That's that's a that's a stress reliever. That's the way to clear your mind. Cause your thought is also a talent. Like everybody, if it wasn't a talent, I feel like everybody would be able to do it. Everybody can't write poetry. Let me tell you. Let me tell you about poetry, man. That's how I met my wife. Right. I'm not a. Um, regardless of what people think, I'm a very shy person. I'm actually a very quiet person. Right. You you have to know how to make yourself speak if you're trying to command things. But that doesn't mean you're into speaking. That people confuse. They go, oh, "That's your personality." That's not even my personality. That's just what I'm showing you. My actual personality is not what I'm showing you. I'm, I'm old enough to give you what you need at this moment, mm -hmm. right? But in reality, I like to be very quiet, hanging out by myself, doing my thing. So I wrote my wife poetry for six months before she would give me a date. That's how I met her. Mm -hmm. So had I listened to the hood, you know what I mean, and cut off the pieces of me. 
that was valuable to me or how to listen to the college dudes who was saying, don't, why you with this weirdo with green hair? I'm like, well, he's a great actor. Oh, he's a better on the weirdos, Marquette. You need to be around your teammates. So you would rather me leave these artists who fucking love me and are nurturing me in here and be around a bunch of dudes. A couple of them is rapists. Mm. Violent, stealing, fucked up dudes on drugs. You want me to be with these dudes? Cause you believe black men are animals anyway. Mm. I, you ain't never told your white boys that. Mm. When the white boy said, "Oh man, I'm taking this trigonometry class and I'm gonna be gone all summer. I'm going to Europe to learn about such stuff," you didn't stop him. Mm. Yep. And also too, because I have, I have a question I want to ask you too, but I would just want to add this on. You know how a lot of people express themselves the way they dress. Mm -hmm. Like the fashion, mm -hmm. that's another thing of art. That's it is in, in art community. You're like, yo, you dressing like that, like yo, like, and that's another way of people express themselves. But I feel like, do you feel like it? Because it's not in every public school. I don't know what public school you have drama in. I took drama mm -hmm. when I was in eighth grade. I went to school of the arts. Great school. And I feel like if we had those type of classes in in every in Kennedy and Adams. That's more avenue because you would be surprised how many kids actually want to get into it, but don't have the resource or don't have the outlet to get into it. Do you feel like it'd be? I think it would. It'd be less of our people locked up or out selling if they had the avenue because that's another way Absolutely. to express yourself. Uh, I couldn't even state it any better. You just made <laughs> yeah, I was really thinking about that. Man. Like I mean, <laughs> if people that know me like grew up with me, I was nice with my hands. I was out here. I've been out here. I'm not a dude you run up on like that. My homies will tell you, like, there's another side that is the, 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 the artist who was not allowed to be an artist. You know, and it's easy to go that way because that's acceptable, right? It's acceptable to be a brute, a bully or a brute in the ghetto, mm -hmm. right? I, I, I might joke right now, when I left here, you could, you might know one female, mm -hmm. and it's because she had a skin or hair disorder, or she had cancer. Because there was a relationship between young women, older women, and elders that really was done through grooming. Mm -hmm. Right, almost all that knowledge happened between nanny's legs. You sat there and got your hair, boys and girls, mm -hmm. and you got knowledge. You got hygiene, you got it all right then. The thing I'm concerned with is hygiene and just being cattle, following people blindly. Mm -hmm. what, what I see the biggest change in urban America is we, as black people, are supposed to set a tone for what is righteous. That's the Martin Luther King weight. You put that on your shoulders, you gotta do it, mm -hmm. right? You're supposed to speak truth to power. That's the Malcolm X weight. Right? You're supposed to have real logic. That's the Angela Davis weight. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to have knowledge yourself, right? That's the Stokely Carmichael weight. Right? You're supposed to build your community. Right? That's the Oliver Elijah Muhammad's weight. These, these are historical things. You're supposed to be financially independent mm -hmm. of the system. That's that Marcus Garvey weight. These are historical things that are built into black communities as mantras, they are passed down from generations. You can get a slave recording, he will tell you not to mess with credit, don't be fashionable, and don't care what people think. He couldn't even read, mm. right? So the reality of it is, today, we are so afraid to be unique. Mm. 
withdraw my help? Yes. I don't even care about it. I don't even care about acting. With literacy, bro, yeah. all black people can't read right now, and all the knowledge is in the books. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why they don't want you to read. There's a reason why you are sending emails with the same emojis on a text message. This is a 50 year old man sending me an emoji. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, fam, get with it. So there's that, there's trauma that our people have that we receive on every single day just because we are ostracized by the way that we look, right? So they need to have that expression for that. There's a level of inner self exploration that happens with drama, right? But I think to take it even further, everybody should have to take drama, you should have to take public speaking, you should have to take yoga, and you should have to take several art courses while you're in school, not just a few. Public speaking is important. All of them. Because it's people that and we talked about this. School is so-called supposed to get you ready for the real world or whatever they say. But yeah, it's people that graduate, they still have to reprogram themselves once they get there. Because so Man. it's like really what did you were you did you get us ready for the real world? Because I know a lot of people like just now like have to train themselves to slow down when they talk. To to be comfortable when they talk. People started sweating like No, dude, I stuttered for years. Yeah. I mean, most people are not comfortable talking with someone outside of their culture. Yeah. That, 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 that keeps us imprisoned in cultural, social uh, moments that are comfortable, right? If we go back to the, the young lady, the sprinter we were talking about, and she's my favorite sprinter. Let me just be clear. Okay? Little LSU girl, I'm with you. Sometimes you got to take it on the chin. Sometimes you got to take it on the chin. You make a mistake on that shit, sit. It'd be another Olympics. Oh, It'd be just as fast. But all this excuses that people are making for someone else, purely based on the fact, black people, we don't need no more excuses. We need direct access and get the fuck out of my way. I wanna, wanna I'm sorry, what did you have? No, I'm good. Um, you said something a few minutes ago that I don't wanna skip past. You were talking about how black boys are taught to think when you know you were in class you were drawing you were just basically expressing your creative genius how is how important is it to have black male teachers i want to say something that's not pc at all it's very important that we have heterosexual black male, male teachers. teachers okay so right now you know because i do work in the school systems uh there's so much emphasis on trans and and, and gay and lesbian Situation. I'm not trying to take from that, but they it really needs you can't teach these things without teaching tolerance mm. Right, so black males need to be in environments of tolerance first mm. Before you start going to these subgroups That are contained within the black male. He's he's all those groups. He's gay. He trained. He, it's all in there, right? Let's just deal with fucking him straight ahead. So he needs males and Not perfect males so example, we um, when I started the, 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 the training stuff for film, it came from black people here asking me why they weren't working. And it's hard to tell somebody, you don't really have the experience, but they were working in the industry before you were, right? So it's like, you got me by 10 years in the game, but you don't know nothing. 
right? Because you've been locked into this place that hasn't allowed you to grow. Right. So I've been having all these experiences that you've not been having, but you 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 brought me into the game, right? So we started writing these things, and then eventually we started testing them in, in high schools. So we went down to the high school, and the best thing about being an artist is you just don't believe when anybody tells you. That's the best thing about being an artist, man. Mm. You tell me something negative, my nature, my actual nature, is to go, hmm, I wonder if that's true. Mm. Does shit stink when you step in it? <laughs> I wonder if that's true. It's not to say I don't believe you right <clears throat> in a weird kind of way. It's to say that we like to voyeuristically experience things. Mm. Trust but verify, right? So when we got to the school, the first thing I noticed right away was that the black men that were paid by these school systems were either A, incredibly educated and incredibly non-threatening, B, they were gay. Mm. Now I understand that this is, you know, the educational system is an, is an environment that in a lot of ways employs a ton of women mm -hmm. and they need to be safe. I'm not here to knock that, right? Mm -hmm. However, I'm sitting in a session with a young boy who's, who's he's from a 6-0 crip hood, daddy in the pen, brothers all in the pen, uh, best friend got murdered the year before, right? Mm. And they bring in the social worker. Nothing against social worker. I like the dude. We cool, we kick it, we chop it up all the time. Social worker come in, got his little uh, skinny, 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 skinny pants, plaid, plaid, skinny, skinny, well, well, dress clothes though. You know, they, that's how it works. We got skinny jean, plaid pants on. This flooding, mm. tighter than tight. They don't like a red, but no. No, salmon. <laughs> salmon shirt in tucked in looking real fresh. Now, on a New York Greenwich Village Friday night, boy dressed right, homie. Mm -hmm. He gonna get all whatever he trying to get. In the middle of 60th and Western, with a kid who is khakied up and blued up, mm -hmm. ain't gonna have this is not the dude to be talking to the little homie about his problems. Mm -hmm. Cause he gonna hit him with a bunch of textbook shit. Uh, well, when you're when you're when your father, well, he really ain't my father. When the, the male of the house, well, he really don't live with us. When that guy mm. is abusive to your mother, you should call the police and have the police come and deal with that. Now this boy know his mama on papers, his brothers is on papers. They come to the house, everybody going to jail, and he gonna go to a home, and it's gonna be a home way out in the middle of the desert. Well, he's going to be banging with a bunch of Mexican kids. Mm. But you don't know that because this ain't your world. Mm. So what we need is, what I, what, I, what I say is that kids can identify bullshit mm. much better than adults can. Because mm. kids are liars. Mm. So a person who lives in fantasy can identify fantasy when they see it. So what these kids need is a dude who's been a little dirty. Not filthy. See, in the 80s, we needed dudes who had been... can relate. Can relate. Because in the 80s, we needed dudes who had done some shit to tell us, like, yo, I did 10 mm -hmm. years, man. Don't fuck with the penitentiary. They up there raping men and stabbing and killing. You gonna be a fee-fee bag. Dude, said, what's a fee-fee bag? He explained what a fee-fee bag was. They want to go. I said, oh, mm -hmm. you gotta make sexual toys out of bags. Mm -hmm. Put a little jelly in so it tastes good in a fee-fee mm -hmm. bag. You feel what I'm saying, bro? This is some animalistic shit.
Mm. So that scared me away. So we don't need any more of that scary stuff. <laughs> you look scary, right? right? <laughs> right. You sitting with your big uncle, your uncle explaining to you, and he's a big out of prison dude. He's showing you what the Fifi is. Mm. And he explained to you, I can make one look just like a vagina. Mm. He's assuming, well, but it's not, huh? Mm. He was out for maybe 30 days, went back. Mm. So they don't need any more of keeping it real. They've had so much keeping it real, they are they are overdosing on reality. That's why they don't have any sense of dreaming. They eat so much reality, which isn't even real, which is funny because in the hood, most people in the hood don't sell drugs. Most people in the hood commit no crimes. Most people in the hood just can't find better jobs to pay more money to them. That's what's ailing them, but it's depicted a certain way. So I would say, Black males who have some experiences, and they can be equally educated, but you need to dress them a certain way. Stop having these cats come in here looking just like the probation officer, mm -hmm. looking just like the detective. Mm -hmm. Bring the dude in with the, when I came to the kids, I had my, I knew I had the J's on, I got the Nipsey shirt on, so I know where I'm at, and I'm chopping it with them. And I'm not coming, I'm not banging their head with, well, you know, some of my history. When the first time of the year, the camera measures the light, and that's how you record it. I'm not doing all that, man. That shit don't matter. If you really love it, you'll get that in college. Mm. Just tell me your story, Shaniqua, because I want to hear it. Or she came in and was twerking. Mr. Williams, look at that. Don't you like that? I said, man, you're 13. That's disgusting to me. Mm. And any man that tell you that's fresh, he's a pervert. Mm -hmm. Any real man would not be looking at kids the same age of his own. Right. There ain't nothing sexual about a 13-year-old girl to me. No. Ain't no R. Kelly over here, dog. No. You's a baby. Be a baby. Stay a baby. You got the rest of your life for men to lust out. Yeah. That's another <laughs> you know what I mean? pandemic right there. Our, our young girls, man, they, they, they're over-sexualized too freaking fast and they don't have a man just like you said it's a, it's a baby you a 13 year old stay a 13 year old but they see the issue is that's the only time they catch a vibe from somebody when, when you are invisible in society mm -hmm. right these boys walking around looking like male prostitutes with their asses hanging out y'all haven't seen it now come on right they never like, understood that man. but they, they selling something well, they, they may not be telling dudes like us what they doing, but like my brother said, I know what they doing. I looked at my brother, what you mean? He go, come on, man. And, and they, a lot of them don't know that that originated in prison. Man, that's hold my pocket. Right. <laughs> hold my pocket. So I think the reality of it is the expressions, like we talked about with drama, they need to express themselves in an environment that's safe. They need to be able to express themselves from a genuine space, right? So. When she said, oh, she wanted to shoot these little twerking videos, my reply was, you are coming up to your teacher with the cojones to show me some twerking on your Instagram. You got balls, girl. You, got, you really, really are intelligent. Mm -hmm. You argue with me in class on femininity and sisterhood. You're telling me Cardi B's good for you. I'm not saying she's not actually like Cardi no. now. Right? I'm in. Well, I think Cardi, Cardi has a place. And I think we have to accept that they've created these slots that they let people fill. And it's always a black woman. If you hey. look after Cardi B, it's gonna be another black but woman. But see, Cardi ain't even black. She ain't even black, that's true. She pretending to be black, that's the worst ones. They can be black when they want to. In 20 years, she'll be Dominican old lady, she won't even be messing with no black folks. You won't even see her in the hood. She's gonna be pushing, going to get their little bodegas. That's the deepest part of that movement, 
right? Because they're black when they choose to be, right? But I like Cardi. I actually think that um, versus the other ones, the Nicky's, the Little Kim. Oh, it's Megan Thee Stallion. Oh, Megan Thee Stallion. Nah, I like Megan Thee Stallion. Cardi's actually having the things that she's actually talking about in her own um, New York way are valuable. The things that these others are talking about are not valuable. And I'm not talking about rapping. I was gonna say it couldn't have been. It's not. It's not. It's not her lyrics. No, 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 no. that's written by a man. It's when she say that again, please. Her lyrics are written by men. Okay, All of them you. are written by men. All right. Very sure few of them actually write their own bars. Uh, Lauren sure Hill. Because when women write their yeah. own bars, they're positive for women. Just saying. Yeah, and, just and, and and you can even tell when she's rapping, she's reading something yeah, she I didn't mean, write. I mean, again, if you think that a woman would be talking about WAP on her own, you're crazy because she would never call her sexual parts that. That's just stupid. But again, this is coming from men who call themselves niggas, so what can we explain? Mm -hmm. wow. Um, so you know, I, I, I would say probably wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So I think that um, which would be smart if he did to keep the publishing in the family. So I think, I've learned to appreciate her more because there's a level of, um, it's like old Kanye. When Kanye was on there and he just said, George Bush don't love black people. That was true. Yeah, I came from a true place. Yeah. Whether he knew George Bush or whatever, it came from a true place. I think Cardi is speaking from a true place. Whether it is like, yeah, she drugged some dudes and took their money. But she kind of telling you like these dudes was prostituting us out too. They paying, you know. So there's a level of yeah, once you messing with crime, life. is there a code in the crime? Like if I'm selling dope, right, and you rob me, we're selling drugs. Are there rules? Mm -hmm. There's no code to this shit. Right. It's like fighting. Oh, you put your thumb in my eye. Yep. We were fighting, bro. There's no rules to this. Okay, it's fighting. It's not boxing. Right. Right. If you want boxing, put your gloves on. If you want fighting, I can hit you with anything. Anything. I don't have to use my hands at all. Right. And it's all good. Right. So I, I think that what we need is expression and acceptance, which is very difficult to get in poor environments because it's hard to. That's a, an elitist state of mind is that I have time to fix my inner self. Hmm. That whole concept is elite hmm. because working class people don't have time for that shit. Right, so when you come and say, oh, we need mental health, uh, do we, can we even afford mental health? We need it, but, but aren't we kind of like at, a, at the other side of this shit now? Right. Right, so I think in terms of like expression, that is the most important thing. Males are good, we need more males. Males that aren't creeps, males that aren't touching children, males who are not trying to get children to be uh, drug dealers or drug mules, males who are not gonna prostitute children. So I know there's a lot of shitty males out here, but I think that our value in the community is incredibly, incredibly large and we need to accept that value. And it's not monetary. Most of these brothers ain't coming around because of bread. Mm. You, you ask any dude, you got a couple that just don't want to be fathers. You got a couple. You got a couple of just like lame ass, whack dudes. I would say 70% of the dudes is because of the bread. Mm. And it's the bread, and the way that baby mama treats them over the bread, right? Because clearly it was cool that one time they made some babies. There was some love, right? There was some fun. So I think that part of the issue is that these men have been run off, man, literally run off 
and left these babies out here flapping in the wind. Right. And we create, at least for me, I created programming so they could express themselves. I used the camera as a way for you to talk about what's going on in your hood. So that same girl who showed me the twerk video eventually made a video, which was, it called it the gauntlet. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, y'all ever been to a gay club? Yeah. You know? All right. Went to the first gay club. I was a uh, gay roommate, six foot eight dude. Jeez. Oh, dude, you want to know their sexuality, right, boy? Let them be around you. Because they bring in chicks, homie. But the dude in there competing with me, I was smashing all of them. <laughs> see, see how, see, see. You know what? Actually, I'm wrong. I, <laughs> I, I, I went in one because this girl I was dating, she had gay, gay friends. She said, yeah, I just want to go meet them real quick and then we can roll. I walked in, I walked right, right back out. But, I, but, but what did you learn? They were aggressive, right? <coughs> well, no, none, none, no, no, don't get me wrong. I've had, I've had gay dudes hit on me. Right. So dudes yeah. are aggressive when we interact with anything that we want. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So for a girl, when you get off, you open the door of school, you go into your hallway, there's a gauntlet of male bullshit. Mm. And it, it continues all the way to your adulthood in the nightclub. You feel what I'm saying? So she created this video where the, where the girls are walking down with a gauntlet of boys. And, and she used the words that boys refer to them as. Mm. That was powerful. At the end, the girl looks at the camera and she says, hey, you know, I am not a bitch, I'm not a hoe. I'm beautiful, I'm smart. That's what we need, wow. right? Because she knows she ain't no bitch or no hoe, but she's too afraid to go against the bitch hoe program because you'll get ostracized by the bitches and the hoes. You know what, we, we need to talk about that for a quick second because you just said this young lady showed you a video of her twerking and then you said she came back yeah. And it showed you a piece of art that expressed how she really felt from the energy that she's been receiving. And the one thing that I caught, I don't know if you caught this, Willie, is when she showed him that video, that ain't the first time she didn't show it in a daughter yeah, video. No, no. no. She, she was someone male teacher. Yeah, they, at and 13. They, and they were saying it's cool. It's popular. <clears throat> it's crazy. And she was built like a grown woman. So she, she you know, and the sad part about it is, like, like I said, what we did with our program was we identified basically the, the kids that are bullies. They're hurting. I, I, would, I would dare to say the biggest issue is that most bullies have a lot of adult responsibility on them mm -hmm. when they're not at school, right? When they come to school, they're now put in this like child position. But before that, they were dropping, they were waking up drunk adults up Get up, let's go to work, mom. Getting babies together, feeding, took themselves, got them here. So I think a lot of times our children do so many adult things that when we bring them into high school or junior high, you're actually putting them in a situation that they actually have not been in since they were like 10 years old. Wow. So you'd be better off dealing with them like an adult. So when I dealt with them, I, oh, you couldn't, I had simple rules. You couldn't bring no weapons in here. You couldn't use no hate words. You cuss. It's an art form. Where's art? It's expressive freedom of speech, man. I can't, I ain't here to tell you. Oh, you stubbed your toe, fuck. I'm not gonna stop you from saying that word. Because you're in an environment where there's guns and drugs and murk, you're an adult. You're just in a little body. You just haven't lived the, the, the your, your life, your age does not match your life experiences. It's like locked up, <laughs> okay? 
So the first mistake is these teachers, well, why don't they line up? What the fuck does that matter? Tell me one time at your job where lining up was asked of you. Mm. Only in prison institutions do the following directions matter. So you guys are preparing these children to go to prison and institutions. I am preparing them to be bosses. So that's why they said, no, I ain't gotta do that. Cause you don't have to. You don't have to do none of that stuff. What you gotta do is finish your goal. That's what success is. It is. Finish your goal. So we created situations and then we wouldn't let them, I wouldn't let them tell me, you can't shoot no comedies. I don't wanna laugh at you. We, that's all we do is laugh at you. All of America laughs at your misery. That's the news. So you got substance, no twerking, no, look, if you're gonna give me a rap, you can give me a rap song. I'm not against a rap song, rap video. Better have some dope lyrics, dog. Mm. Like, you're gonna have to turn in your lyrics before you get to shoot over here. I got to read them, right? So we created a situation where they were treated like I would treat any grown artist. Let's talk about Cinema City. Okay. Um, because that in and of itself is a multifaceted <clears throat> vision that is going to like you said, as far as art, um, is going to provide. In fact, why don't you go ahead and tell the audience first? Me trying to tell what mm. Cinema City is. <laughs> um, I guess the, the the pitch we use is that Cinema City is a mixed use development that is anchored by a soundstage. Mm-hmm. Um, the best way to say it is, it's it's a, it's a form of um, urban renewal. Right? We we looked at for me. It was how do I teach people, right? My mom's teaching, my auntie's teachers. Everybody in my family's a damn teacher. They didn't teach you they're a cop, but they're a cop, they're a gangster. That's my family. So I wanted to teach. And you realize that nobody's going to give you money to teach. Um, they'll give, well, that's not true. They'll give you little bits of money, but it won't be sustainable. And so I kept trying to figure out how to create something sustainable. We went and met with various wealthy people and we began to realize that what Cleveland had that was special, you had opportunity zones, which allow you to take capital gains taxes and put them in urban areas. It was designed to create economy in urban areas. It's mostly used for making um, apartment buildings, mm. right? Which is not what it was designed for. The next thing that Cleveland has and the state of Ohio has is a film tax incentive of 30%. So what we did was we said, okay, we're gonna marry the opportunity zone, we're gonna marry the tax incentive to gain leverage for minority people to get jobs, right? And it goes back to a day we, we met with the film commission. This was two commissioners ago, I think. And then I'd asked why black people were not, and, and when I say black, it's a very loose term with me. Mm-hmm. You've been to my house. You go early. <laughs> um, I see black as uh, being um, people that are blacklisted. Mm. Our culture, we're African Americans, obviously. Right. Our, our ancestors come from Africa, right? But black only exists in America. You're not black anywhere else. Right. And nobody else gonna call you black. Ain't nobody gonna call you African American when you get off that plane. They're gonna be you're an American. And they're gonna treat you as such. They treat them Africans way different. You go to Dubai, you're gonna see some horrible shit, how they treat them Africans and them Filipinos. Basically, anybody that's brown, it gets, gets a bad stick. So we, we, we looked at how do we create jobs? Mm-hmm. So the first thing you have to do is create an economic anchor. 
when we looked at the film industry as being recession proof. And then we also began to study the stages and their occupancy rate. So right now, before COVID, stages were 98% filled across the world, right? They, some of them are booked for years in advance without even being used. So we knew that the rental part of it would work. We knew that there was a tax incentive, and then we also knew that there was opportunity because there's not a lot of infrastructure here. So when you create tax incentives, the point of creating it is to leverage either A, the, the, the booming of infrastructure, B, the initiating of infrastructure, C, capitalizing on existing infrastructure. Cleveland had none of those, right? It has a fledgling infrastructure community. It has tons of artists, beautiful artists, beautiful directors, beautiful writers, beautiful producers, beautiful actors. Does not have a lot of infrastructure because number one, it's a theater town. So the, the people that really know um, are not in film, they're in other forms of visual arts, right? So there's been a level of, we've just focused on what we would call above the line and, and courting above the line people. Most above the line people are college people. They are the top, we're breaking the third, but I always try to keep the math in third. They're the top one third of our population, you know, CSU, Paul Wallace, you know, you name it, Ohio State. Anyone that is gonna be a director, probably a producer, probably a legit actor, has gone on to do something on a collegiate level, even if for just a year, mm. right? You may have gone to Juilliard, that's still a higher education school. Right. Um, but reality of it is most of the industry is labor. Like 75, 80% of the film industry and television industry is just laborers, people who did not go to college, people who, like our ancestors, uh, did carpentry, painted, did electrical, did drywall, you know. So we looked at that as being what Cleveland needs. I don't need to come here and foster uh, the next Spike Lee, CSU's doing that. Um, I don't need to come in here and foster the next Denzel Washington, Baldwin Wallace is doing that. Um, I am here to foster the next great gaffer. Mm. <laughs> you know, that dude is good with them lights. He must be from Cleveland. <laughs> um, you know, and I, and I say that to say, we have men coming home from vacation. We have men coming out of school who are trying to avoid vacation. We have to give them something that does not require uh, going to college. It does not require, number one, debt. Number two, passion, mm -hmm. right? <clears throat> to be an artist, you gotta be passionate about it. Because you, you never, you're never gonna make no damn money. You're just gonna be passionately making things. Mm -hmm. um, so to be a laborer, you need access. And there was always this back and forth argument between myself and different um, executives here who were somewhat in control of certain parts of the film industry about why black people um, and women were not being included very much. And they hit me with the, we don't, we don't have enough set hours. That's true. Uh, you know, some, some things are, if, you, if you're gonna go get surgery, you want the dude that's been cutting on bodies yeah. all the time. Yeah. Right, so I think we have to be careful as minorities to demand entryway for rookies. Mm. Right, we want to demand entryway for vets and the rookies can come behind, mm. right? But if we let the rookies hop over these vets, then you're gonna ruin your, your chance. Mm. Cause they don't go in and fuck it all up. Like, you know how they do it? You mess the room up, they close the door. No more y'all, you came and messed up the room, right? right. 
And I can name a million times when this has happened, right? So I think that part of it was, we're gonna focus on laborers and allowing black people entryway to the labor skill set. What that means is, when the studio itself is at full capacity, so we'll hold probably three to four TV shows, each TV show will carry uh, anywhere from 200, 100 to 200 pieces of labor, right? So that's, that's roughly about a thousand jobs if you conclude food support and other things. We're here to train those thousand people. Those jobs average $100,000 a year. That's a $100 million economic impact on the city of Cleveland. It's taxable, taxable income for black people in the hood. That's it. If you make more money, you will make better choices. Most of the choices that are being made are out of desperation because they broke. We've all been there. I told somebody the lowest moment in my life was that I, I, I was down to $60,000 and was stressed about money. And me and my man was gonna flip this. And I remember my homie was like, dude, that'll get you like 30 years. I said, I'm good. I'll just be broke. I understand, I'm sitting with 60 grand. But the mind of money will have you believe that that's not real money. I got homies that's on drugs because they didn't make 10 million this year. But they made $400,000 that year of taxable income. And this dude over talking about woe is me, he made 400 grand. Like, you forgot you was from Red Hook, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. You forgot where you're from. So we understand the economics of the film industry. We're trying to apply it to urban areas, right? And create entryway. Now, you got the studio, which is about 200,000 square feet. It's got office space, got warehouse space, got all that stuff. But the most important thing of all of Cinema City's deal is the Innovation Center. Because Innovation Center is how we get trained. It's how we incubate businesses. It's how we will allow Clevelanders to participate in what we do, right? The key is to create the labor that supports the studio. Either way, the studio is gonna make money because they'll bring all those people from LA if they have to. Mm -hmm. We're trying to create a situation where our people are trained first in line. Most importantly, our people have had all of these things such as soft skill training. Because we have an epidemic here of lack of soft skills. Uh, we have 360 services, so we'll watch your kid, we'll pay you to learn. It's not just come learn something and pay for it. How can I ask you if you broke in the hood to pay four or five grand to learn how to hang some lights? Mm -hmm. I should pay you to come learn so your babies can eat. Cause ain't nobody selling drugs to feel cool. They sell drugs to feed their babies. Right. If you know any real drug dealer, you know they sold them drugs to feed them babies. Then they be turned into the dude with all the jewelry. Mm -hmm. But first it was very simple. Mama, babies, I got this, I got this ounce. I'm gonna cook it. I can get 3,500 off that ounce. Okay, I'm gonna put five over here for some rent. I'm gonna put five with the baby mama over here. I got some back child support. And before you know it, you got a couple hundred. Then you go buy your fit. That's every dope dude, man. That shit ain't changed. They do it to take care of their families. And before you know it, that dope dude is taking care of after hood, right? This is the same thing for me. I took the same kind of mindset of east side of Cleveland corner to the film industry. Right, if I set up shop in the hood, I train these cats to handle the work, I put the work on the streets, these cats will eat, crime will go down, housing prices will go up, 
The hood now has value. Ecosystem. Man. And it's based on recession proof situation. <clears throat> and I think that's like, because this is a trade. And Go ahead. Remember I was saying, like, <laughs> take trades out of school, you took a lot of purpose out of school. They knew what they was doing. Man. Yeah. But trades are in suburban schools. Talk to a cat I work with, he's like, no, we still got trades in our school. Mm -hmm. I was like, really? You don't have that in public school no more. You you teach somebody, they may want to be like, I remember my uncle coming in with the uncles coming in with the little one thing on. There was a carpenter, there was a plumber. That's trades that they learned in school. You got to go to college and spend no. millions and thousands of dollars to get in debt for that. Everybody that graduated, you know what I'm saying? Everybody graduating will go to college. That don't make you a failure. No, college don't make you a success. Thank I know plenty you. of bartenders but, with bachelor degrees. But people feel like that though. They feel like in in a lot of in our community too, it's kind of you kind of push that narrative that if you don't go to college, if you don't get that degree, if you don't get that piece of paper, then it's like, what are you doing out here? This is all I said about college. If being a dentist is a is a is an auto body repairman for your mouth, ain't no difference. He's using sanding, he's using pain, he's using bondo. Mm. It's in your mouth. That's the difference, okay? So if you have to do a specialty like that, you should go to college. I think everyone should go to college for at least one year for critical thinking. Because you got my uncles who are carpenters, painters, right? They make a lot of money doing that. When it comes to critical thinking, though, that's not they stick, so they're afraid of paperwork. But that's to me too. That can also be another avenue because I re you'd hardly see like little hardware shops in the in neighborhood no more. You hardly see that was that's another. You take them away, not only do you take away purpose, you mm -hmm. take away black owned business. And like we say, if you got a black owned business, who you gonna hire? You hire somebody that looks like you, just like the other communities too. They hire people that look like them. So right, you go about to let Becky work for you. No, you go up and down Superior. Like I'm sure, like I don't see it now, but my uncle tell me you see hardwood shops. You see the little. It was all black, bro. Yeah, I'm trying to tell you, most of my, most of my <laughs> raising, black. When I went to Twinsburg the first time I saw. Okay, there was some West Side kids that was bust over. They were Puerto Ricans. They wasn't busting no real Beckys over here. Come on now. It was probably them like them night Puerto Ricans over here. But beyond that, I never really seen it. Every story went into black. You bought your stuff with some black people. Now I think black we got left for us barbers. Barbers and food. You have a lot yeah, of food, food spaces. Food. Food. That what I will say that this changed is that there was a what scares me right now is we don't demand black excellence. We just demand that it's black. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, that ain't enough for me. <laughs> I got a story. That's another thing to wear places up. here with bad mm -hmm. service. Bro, let me tell you something. Bad attitude. <laughs> okay. I went to Saks a couple days ago. Now, Saks is pretty high end. Right? I grew up in Saks. Okay. So My mother's first uh, cosmetology job was in Saks. Okay. So I went to Saks, ready to spend some money. Right. You know me and Zach into the. I know. Yeah. You know. be looking right. <laughs> smelling right. Yeah, man. So I go to the counter and I get this very, like you're bothering me type of attitude. Mm -hmm. And it just goes into what, what you're saying, man. It's just like that whole customer service, part of our businesses, 
Yes, we have a lot of black owned business. I think you said that um, a lot of black owned business started start during the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. But the customer service aspect of it, my goodness. Well, think about this one. Your mom made dinner. Who told you to tell your mom thank you? My grandmother. My father. Yeah. See, the father's point is dumb things. And somebody asked me, my wife runs the house, she's been over there. Mm -hmm. Someone said, well, what do you do? I'm the red button. You ain't call me when you want nuclear weapons. Either it be love of nuclear weapons, whatever it is, that's what fathers are there for. We just sit there waiting. It's funny you said it because my wife was like, she texted me like, the kids don't want to ask you nothing. They only want to ask me because they feel like you're going to... You just gonna reject them. I'm not gonna reject them, but it's like it's a good cop, bad cop. They yeah, that's right. When you come to me, you need to make sure you got all your ducks that's in a row. Right. You're not gonna pull another. They just gonna be a yes. I'm gonna yeah. ask why yeah. this. All right, you, my son, even how my son acts with something, I never get it to him right then and there. Nope, never. Nobody will. The world won't. Thank you. So and but women, a lot of women don't understand. It's not that I'm being mean. It's just that no, I'm not. No, hold on. Let's go do this. Or how bad did you want it? Did you try to do it? Did you try to figure it out? Like, Two it's a different things. mindset raising. As I get older, I realize it's different. It's a different mindset raising black boys. So do you have? I think raising. I think yes. I think male. It's because they're males. Period. Mm -hmm. They just. They just. You know. They're hard. But I also believe that our job. You look at. You just take some lions, man. Look at some lions. Look at the cubs. How, have you ever seen a male lion feed them cubs? Oh, never. No. Never. When that cub by the line, what do he do? All on that ass. Yeah. All on it. And they know. Oh, big dog, man. <laughs> so it's. I think that is our purpose in society. It doesn't mean they can't move. Right? It doesn't mean you can't cook. And she, you know, you're supposed know. to have that, that, that not even fear, but you're supposed to have that mom say, I'm going to go get that. Before she get the yeah. whole word, I'm like, all right, no, nah, okay. Yeah. That, and that's, that's where it's kind of, it lacks now. Like my Sons, they don't want to hear, I'm going to go get, call your dad, or I'm going to go get your dad. Like, they don't want to hear that. You hear that, you know, like, all right, never mind, I'm good. And yep. they're straightened up right now. Yep. And I guarantee you, as they become men, you will see the difference in their lives. Like, me, I have a 25-year-old son, and it's an interesting experience when your child um, starts to realize you're not that bad of a guy. So we're now he's starting to realize, like, my, my dad's kind of cool. He does a bunch of cool shit. He travels, you know. But for most of his life, he thought I was the biggest asshole in the world. He was, I don't know why you have friends, man. I don't know why you have friends, man. Like, I'm fun, dude. I'm cool, actually. I'm just I'm just about getting you into the world with, with the least amount of cuts. See, if I don't teach you limitations, they have a mechanism that does. Mm -hmm. They give you time out. That's what that is. That's a prison. It's a timeout. Mm -hmm. Right? It takes time away. I mean, dude, mm -hmm. timeout when you're little, go in the corner, right? Yeah. Before you know it, you're a teenager, you get detention, you're in the corner. Mm -hmm. Before you know it, yeah. nobody well, nobody wants to deal with you. Mm -hmm. So they bring in the real motherfuckers to deal with you. Now you're in prison. One time. If you'd have just had a daddy, mm -hmm. <laughs> he'd have had all this, man. My son, my, my, my son wanted some soda. And my wife had been giving him soda all night. Uh, and two told he drank all the soda. He said, I want some more soda. He said, well, who is I came down the stuff. 
She <laughs> burned through the kitchen. Was like, hey, homie, look at the wall. <laughs> just don't talk to your mother like that. I, I don't give. I don't. I don't. So there's a level of like you talked about. We build the way that the world is created through just nature. Right. There are mechanisms along the way to stop things. There's beavers build dams naturally to stop water from going wherever it wants to go. Right. The father builds dams naturally to stop the babies from going wherever they want to go and figure out what's the best place for them to go. Now, is it easy? No, man. I mean, the thing we're doing, we started off two years ago with the studio thing. You know who the hardest people to convince are? Black people, mm -hmm. poor people, people who need it the most. What, what are you getting out of it? <sighs> Nothing. <laughs> you gotta be getting something. Why don't you say that when you go ask for that welfare? Mm. When you sign your baby's daddy, when you sign my homie up, cause you mad at him, he go down, he got this child support on him, they hit me 30 days. You don't never once question their reasons for doing it. But we said we're gonna build something in the middle of the hood. First thing I'll black people mom is who y'all with? Who you with? Why well, I gotta be with somebody? Then it's, how you gonna get the money? Then it's, oh, you work for that white man. Why I gotta work for him? Why can't he work for me? Was well, you come with this idea? Yeah. Did you write this business plan? Yeah. You did? Yeah. I wrote the textbooks too. And the quizzes. And the curriculum. Why are we questioned about our intellectual abilities? And why do we believe as black people you can judge your intellectual abilities by the outfits you got on? And then you go to these Republican cats who they say hates the hood and hates them. I'm not Democrat nor Republican. I'm an artist, so I don't care about either party. I think if you join clubs, you're a fool. Because every place that's poor is under Democratic control. Every place black people are broke is under Democratic control. Just think about that. So I don't think either side is really down for poor people because they're run by a bunch of rich people. So it doesn't matter about race or any of those things. It's about power. And you, you know they're getting something out of it. <laughs> you know they, they, they're not doing it for free. But, 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 you, but you just said something because Willie does this. Willie will be out in the suburbs. He'll think twice before he throws a piece of paper on the ground. But just yesterday he was in the hood. He had a piece of rapper and he just threw it on the ground. Willie, why, why, do, you, why do you do stuff like that? Well, that did not happen. <laughs> but I haven't I have, I have caught myself, but I think we don't respect our own. No. You know, it's it's just, you get used to an environment, but you know when you're outside of that environment, it's just different. You know not to do that. It's like the lack of respect that we have for, for, our, own. Own, for yeah. our own. So what you're saying is you don't respect your own? No, I didn't. Well, we don't fear our own. We don't fear our own. See, we fear, we, we're not not throwing that trash down because we respect them more than us, right? It's because they got them dudes who put you in that jury for throwing that paper on the ground or peeing because you know eyes is on you because you stand out with a thumb on a hand in them suburbs. Well, right? let, me, let, me, let me delve into that point for a second because this is something I talk about. You said that we don't respect them more or less, but why is it that we switch up we fear them when we arrive. I'm not, I'm not even talking about the police, though. 
I'm talking about other cultures, not even white, Indian, we, we, Chinese, We fear every culture for several reasons. Number one, we do not travel beyond six blocks in any direction as people, as urbanites, mm. right? Second off, we believe that everything we were taught in school, like all of this etiquette shit. So somehow we believe that they know which fork is a salad fork automatically. They know how to use chopsticks automatically, right? Um, and then there's, there's, there are, again, this weird belief that black culture can be wiped off, right? And then one dude told, we were hanging out, I had a roommate from Japan and he didn't speak a lot of English. But he knew every rap lyric. Mm. Think about this. Yeah. So he spoke through rap music. So he might say a lyric to a song because he wanted a 40. He wanted, he wanted to go drink. Right. And the homie, but how do y'all get up? I was like, he know more about us. Homie, he know, he got a six fold. Mm. He date black women. We stood back then, he wearing the, uh, the purple patch of Ewing. He got the purple patch of Ewing's on starter coats. So, according to what you say is black, he knows all about that shit. That's what you're saying, right? Mm -hmm. We have to deal with being uncomfortable better. I wanna, I wanna take us home with this because <clears throat> this is one of the we criticize each other a lot for the things we don't do. And we don't shine enough light on the things that we actually do. So, for example, we've had this conversation before about leaving the hood and coming back and giving back to the hood, right? You lived in LA for 20 plus years, right? Which, something you just said, most of us don't ever leave the six block radius. We don't ever, <clears throat> one, most of us don't travel, and I'm, I'm specifically speaking of men, because you've got a lot of black women that do travel. Uh, they kick it, yeah. They kick Men are in trouble. Yeah, but black men, um, we don't really travel, we don't really move away, we don't really experience the rest of what God has created. Mm -hmm. But the fact that you came back to give back to your people, to the area that you came from, to create opportunities for them, that is what you call leaving a legacy. And I just want to know <clears throat> why. What the hell made you want to come back to this? <laughs> because look man I'm, I'm gonna tell you one of my, my most heart heartbreaking moments and this has has to do with film and it's a very real moment when they filmed queen and slim here mm -hmm. and i listened to uh what's the young lady that directed it what are you talking about yeah, yeah. you know what i'm talking about wave yeah i listened to lena talk about how they picked cleveland as a filming location you saw the movie and she said what made us pick that first scene is we were on St. Clair. First of all, the crew didn't want to come to Cleveland at all. Of course not. They did not want to come. They said, when that, they filmed that first scene, they said within an hour, six people got stopped by the police. Yep. And within that hour, one of them was that gray Honda. And so that's why they put that in there. But seeing my city, bro, all the torn down houses, all the abandoned houses, and I'm just like, this really, and I'm sitting in the movie theater with my girl watching this, knowing that this is my city and it still looks like that and you made a decision as a filmmaker to come back and i i want you to close this out and talk about what caused you to make that decision put time and energy out of your life when you could be doing a million other things you could be around the world doing amazing things but you chose cleveland a couple things i'll say three things happened in my life and i'll name off all three to 
kind of gives you clarity. Uh, the first thing was, um, I had an opportunity to work with Tyrese for a long time. And, I, and whatever you may feel or, about Tyrese, I saw him employ more black people than any celebrity I've ever seen in my life. And purposely do it. Like purposely putting like black this. people on um, and trying to empower you. Now, if you weren't able to handle the responsibility of the power, that was your deal. But I, I think the first thing was him, me watching how he did that and then saying, okay, I should be doing more of that, right? Uh, the second thing was, um, and my niece will probably hate me for this. I was on the phone with my niece one day talking about having the black experience. And she said, your children don't have the black experience. And I said, well, yeah, they do. You know, she goes, you live in the hills of Burbank. Mm. There is, you're the only black person on your block. Mm. You may know the other five black dudes in your, in your school system. And y'all may have your children with each other, but your kids are not even close to having a black experience, mm. right? So that led me to sit down with, particularly my oldest daughter. So my, my son is an artist, um, he does music. Mm. Um, I don't know if he's purpose driven. My daughter seems to show signs of being purpose driven. And I realized that in order for them to have a purpose, I have to show them a purpose. So I wanted to show them me sacrificing things to help people who I was never going to meet. I think that is very important that we as people of color, um, my children are very tan. LA makes you very tan. And they eat sushi, they know about 50 million different religions, you know, everyone's kumbaya and clap for them. I love my kids because of that. But they were not having the black experience. And if you are not having the black experience, you will be naked in this world. And once you are naked in this world, you will be hurt. Mm. So Cleveland gave me the ability to say, yeah, man, I'm gonna get on this plane. I ain't gonna plane, y'all, we drove out. I drove out to California with a bunch of dudes in the car, didn't know anybody. But that's cause I'm from Cleveland. Mm. I'm from the east side, you know what I mean? I'm from Kinsman. I believe in how we rock. And if you go anywhere in this world, you will meet Clevelanders. Oh, hell yeah. That's the funniest thing yeah. about it. You, we, we, go we are everywhere. Like we get it in. Yeah, we go everywhere. So I think that it's important that when you are, I wouldn't, you know, I don't, I don't know how, I don't define success by having a lot of money or not having a lot of money. What I'll say is success is when you can do what you want to do. So when you reach a point in your life where you're going to bring in that quarter mil every year, no matter what you do, you're going to do hot shit, no matter what you do. Your money is good, no matter what you do. Mm -hmm. Then find a purpose. So, why not Atlanta? That's that's black mecca for film right now. It's already done. It's not about a mecca. It's not about. I don't need to go be at the cool table. I'm already cool. I like that. You know, I'm already fresh. So I, I got to find why I got a beautiful kid. I kicked it. I done. I had everything. It's coming to a place that has meaning mm -hmm. for me, right? So, number one. Northern Blacks and Southern Blacks, two different movements. What they're doing in Atlanta 
They've been working on that for a very long time. It's just now got to be an episode. That shit been going on since Rosa Parks got on that bus. So just like you building it here, had to be built. Somebody got to do somebody it. Gotta, well, like somebody got to at least go out and fail. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, we made like, I mean, we had a talk. So my, my homie ran up on me. He was like, man, I heard you got $40 million. And he patted me. I said, man, that in my pockets. I said, it doesn't work like that. It is. We still have to close that deal. We got forty million. We got forty million. Oh Jesus! Out of, out of forty-five, we got forty raised. We done raised forty million dollars. Okay. So to ask that real quick. No, no, it's legit. Like <laughs> we've like been, we've been, you know, we have the thing that, like I said, the thing that we need to learn the most about is is that the world is driven by great ideas. It is not people. People get confused, and a rich dude will play you and tell you it's not. He'll tell you it's the money and all that, but money don't have no movement. Yeah. Currency is supposed to flow. Currency has no flow without ideas. It sits still when there are no ideas. That means that he can't make any more. The greatest thing on earth are ideas. We as artists, particularly people of color, got to know that because we're idea people. So we have all the gold. Right? The machines to mine the gold is how they make their money. So yeah, we put together $40 million over a two year period. We got 25 acres of land. There's 40 yards from Lake Erie. Everything that they told me I couldn't do two years ago, I did check the box. I didn't join no clubs. I didn't join no political parties. I didn't sell my people out. I play with everybody, Republican, Democrat, black, white, green, purple. Do you care about poor folks? That's my barometer. If you love poor people, I fuss with you. If you believe that those poor people are a they or a them, it's hard for me to rock with you, man. Because we are them. We are they. We just a, what, a generation away? So, yeah, man, we got 40 million to buy. We got clothes on four. We got some other pieces to take care of. But yeah, we got 40 million promised from investors and investment banks. That's awesome. Alright, so this is a question I love to ask. And I'd love to hear people's reaction. If you can go back in time, knowing what you know now, if you can go back to the young, six foot you, mm. lanky, what would be your advice? Knowing what you know now, if you just go back and have a talk with that that gentleman, what would you tell him? Try to enjoy it. I've seen so much. I've lived several lives. I've been shot three times. I've lived a lot of lives, player. My man just finished his first movie. And we get on the phone, and he's doing what all movie people do when we finish something is, what's the deal? You know, distribution. I'm trying to get to these parties. Got the agent calling me. And I said, man, stop for a minute because you just did something special. The biggest mistake I've made is I never, I take for granted God's blessings. Mm. I am highly favored. You see, 15 year old, drug addicted father, I'm still here, right? And got in trouble, still survived it. Went to college, played ball. I mean, I'm a very lucky person. I made movies when people said I couldn't make movies. I don't got no rich family, you know what I mean? And I never had a hit. I keep making movies, right? So I think that 
if anything, for everyone, stop for a moment. It's okay to smile. It's okay to just be like, yeah, well, you did something dope today. It just be the birth of your child. I just don't think we stop because as black people, we work so hard to get, to just get so little, <laughs> right? right? You know, that we don't stop to say, to congratulate ourselves and congratulate each other. So if there's any other fact and say, look, man, it's okay to smile once in a while. It's okay to, it's okay to brag a little bit, just a little bit. You know, don't be arrogant and pompous. But I didn't, I didn't, I never stopped and thought about it. I just kept moving forward. So even when people like with sports, I don't. It's a, the most I've talked about football in 30 years is today. I never talk about it. I never talk about any of that shit. Unless someone brings, like, a dude came up to me and was like, is it true you averaged uh, 11 yards a carry your senior year? I said, yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. How many? 11. Damn. Didn't even play a fourth quarter my whole senior year. <laughs> um, never had more than 18 carries in a game. Oh, my God. When I tell you, boy, was, oh. I, was, I, was, I was getting them. I was getting them, though. Yeah. When I ran that 4-4 on them, they saw that 4-4, they was like, this dude ran a 4-4. You ran a 4-4? Yeah, I ran a 4-4. Man, 11 yards a pot. Oh, my God. So I think that, again, I didn't stop. I enjoyed it. I didn't even know that stat until my kid told me. I didn't enjoy the hell out of that. I didn't, I just, because, again, it's happening to you. And if you've been raised the way we've been raised, you'd be surprised how you would. Just keep moving forward, trying to get to your goal, man. I, I don't. I think I knew that in order for me to get to be a filmmaker, all that shit was just water, man. Just ride it to get you to the beach. And every time I messed up, I just went back into the water. Hmm. Try to get to another beach, you know. But I'm really lucky, and I try to tell people that too: is that you have to prepare for for luck. I prepare for opportunity. I obsessively prepare, like ungodly amounts of preparation. I write things down on an incredible level. Do you like, like, have you ever done like a vision board? Tons. Let me tell you something. My wife's got me. Vision boards. Yeah. Um, I will notes. Mm, yep. Okay. Uh, personal. We call personal ditties. Right, of notes to self. I write notes to my children in my phone. So when I'm gone, they can learn game of, yeah, my daddy was 26. He was at Joshua T. taking shrooms with a billionaire, and a billionaire told him how money moved. And I said, damn, it changed my life. Because mm -hmm. if you met the dude, he was in some flip flops, some raggedy clothes, and everybody was. I said, why y'all doing to this dude? You know, motherfucker's a billionaire. I said, what's that? Mm -hmm. He goes, that's more than a million. I said, oh, y'all got much money? Mm -hmm. Went over and asked him, what's up with that? He said, man, money means nothing. Happiness. That dude made circles all day. Wow. I got one more, and it's about us. The one I um, <clears throat> We're artists. We're starting this, doing this podcast. What would be your advice to us moving forward? Hmm. And you know, we talked a little bit about it. Um, number one, keep your costs to the least amount of cost possible. Number two, you want a directional mic, not a uh, VO mic. Number three, 
plan out 10 years ahead. Treat it like you run a news room. Don't treat it like, yeah, I'm gonna come fuck with you to get the homies or whatever. But treat it like you have something and it will be treated as though you do have something. So this is the new news. So if it were me, I would um, be saying, hey Marquette, you know any old reporter dudes that could help you? I heard your dad's a reporter. So I would go and slowly piece together journalists behind me. Mm -hmm. Right, because you guys are not journalists, you're talent. So the journalists will put together your shows, your writing, your, your questions, all your pieces, right? And in theory, we do the same thing. I'm a documentarian, so I do the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. So first I would try to figure out, you know, what is my brand 10 years from now? I think talking about black culture, that's a great start. I think that's 15% of the market we talked about before. So you have 85% of the market that's still existing. That's why when I say black, I mean people that's blacklisted. If you on that list with me, come on in here, let's talk about this shit. Because you, you have the same relations, it's just different terminology, sure. right? Uh, and then slowly work your brand backwards from what your five or 10 year plan is, whatever your goal may be. If your goal is to be the Joe Rogan of black culture knowledge, which is a great goal, yeah. then that's where you start and then you reverse engineer from there. Okay. Right? Because you can you can see that. You can see where he is. The hardest part is to see where you are right now. The landscape in front of you is the most difficult. That's why you reverse engineer it so you can kind of chart it the way a marketing person would, right? Next, this is a great environment for you. I wouldn't change this. I wouldn't spend any fucking money. Just anything. Do not try your best to. I read up about the guy who did Silk Road. You guys know who that is? I don't know who he is. That's a dark web shit, right? So this dude at one point in time was making like 500 grand a week. He was doing his whole shit from the library. Coffee shops. You couldn't even know who this cat. <laughs> That's how I like to rock. That's how I like to rock. So I think that in a way, um, I can connect you guys with some PR people. You know, you, if you want to expand your net, then you start contacting PR companies who are sending you people, because you can't rely totally on you guys just meeting people, right? Mm -hmm. What you want to do is start catching people that are coming through town for things. Mm -hmm. And they're required to do a certain amount of press when they're in town, whether they like it or not. Right, the PR person who's with them is probably not from this region, so they need to find people in the region to put their talent on. Right, and he, I mean, dude, you can get to do like D.L. Hughley is coming through here for for comedy. You come do your show, and now you corral his social media fans. Right, so I would do a myriad of people that you guys actually believe in because it's purpose driven, and I would bring in ringers that were coming to town, who somewhat seemed like they overlapped with your mantra. And then I would keep expanding it. And then I would move into a room right over here and I'd stick Tong Dong Pao, and he'd be telling the Asian experience. And I'd move one room over, and I'd have Jose, he'd be telling, I would take your format and then Cultural. Yeah, yeah, and just keep turning, exactly. Yeah. And keep turning it for each group. You got the equipment. Right? I was just having the equipment running all damn day for each group. Mm -hmm. Right? Take some of the hardest part as artists. You move into business. 
Business is based on it's based on quantity, not quality. McDonald's was non-existent. Quality mattered. <laughs> <laughs> you true. I love McDonald's. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I would say that one billion sold. <laughs> man, the burgers that are thin like paper. Yeah. So I would, if it were me and I were you guys, number one, it's my man. So whatever y'all need, I fuck with you. So I can all day long we can sit down and really talk it out. But initially, I would say you have a platform. Clearly, somebody's watching it or listening to it, or else you wouldn't be doing it, right? So then I would just replicate your format because that's your intellectual property. Your intellectual property is not um, the stuff you guys say on here. It's the way you format the show when you complete it. Mm -hmm. Then I would just replicate that for everybody, put them on the same equipment, same everything, and have everybody push the show underneath your banner. Free game. Yeah. 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 Once I get a spot, I'll move y'all into that spot and give y'all a bunch of rooms. That's my plan with you. With him and what brings you. Well, I think also two black people do not sit and do what I call good business with each other. Right? We take money from each other, we compete with each other. But we don't sit down and just blatantly try to help someone's business succeed. I don't I don't need to make no bread. Please go be successful so that I can say I knew you. That's a great honor, just to say you knew those people. Oh, absolutely. And and speaking of such, um, we always ask every guest how we can help what they're doing, whether it's getting the word out. Um, obviously, we provide this platform for our, our, our audience, and we do have those that, that listen and they'll hit us up like, I mean, I, that was a great episode. We already know this is going to be a great episode. A Cinema City. Um, as creatives, how can we assist in the launch of that and the success of that? I mean, I think what I'm, because I haven't lived here, I don't know anybody, and you know how I am. Mm -hmm. I really don't like meeting people. Right. So... That's what LA does too. You wanna know what it does? Fucks your chi up. Mm. You met so many shitty motherfuckers that you decide that you just can't have no more shitty motherfuckers in your life. So you need your homies to filter them. So you're like, you're right, a shitty motherfucker, but my chi is just getting right. Um, and it is, I can feel it. Finding it's a healthy place. Um, so I would say right now, it's more of the we're going to do a fundraiser in, in August, so definitely would love to figure out some help for that. But, but honestly, how do we build together? Who are the people that should be in this space that you guys think are credible, right? Who are the stakeholders? Who are the black? If you were building something, who are the black people you would want there? Who are the Latinos you would want there? Who are the white folks you'd want there? I, that is uh, probably the greatest help that I need, is really understanding how to help. Building innovation, building these things, putting these things in motion, um, you still have to deliver it, right? If, if I show up on, on campus when it's all said and done, there's nothing but a bunch of white millennials, that just ain't gonna make me happy. It won't disappoint me because I think that those white millennials are the, are the future of this country and they're the first ones who will allow us entryway on our terms. In the history of America, these are the first white folks that'll let you be you. But I still feel like in six years of owning a studio in LA, I only got three resumes from black people. 
black-owned studio. So we're still only moving in circles where someone co-signs for us to move. So therefore, in order for me to meet those people, you guys have to co-sign them or else they won't come to me. They'll think they're not worthy in some weird kind of messed up way. And so if there's anything I need help with is that. Who are the outliers? Who are the people we should do business with? What type of events should we be having? You know, it's like I went to the Ray Jr. screening. Is, is that, I'm about to screen this horror movie we just did. So I need help with figuring that out. I'm not, I've lived in LA longer than I lived here. So I literally don't know anything or anyone. I barely knew how to get here, thanks to GPS. And right when I got like, oh, he needs a library right there. You feel what I'm saying? But so it's more about how do we blend things together and support each other. I'm about the collective. So it's really trying to get that collective together. I need help with that. Okay, done, done. And that's one of the beautiful things about this is uh, we get introduced, so we, what was that two weeks ago we interviewed uh, the largest minority owned credit union the ceo and the board chair um here right here and they were telling us all about the stuff that they're doing that's what i like to meet people like that oh yeah and that that's one of the benefits of this platform we get recommended people and it's crazy because at one time i'm sure podcasting wasn't popular mm -hmm. but now if you ask somebody hey or you tell somebody that you co-host a podcast or you have a podcast it's like telling them you hit the lotto. Well, it's, you guys are, you're bringing information to tours, people who don't like to read. And people Everybody who are not trusting, them, right? And I, think, I, think, I think podcasts, blogs, I think they're all the way with the future. There's just no barometer yet. Mm. So you, that's why I said you guys can easily set up multiple channels because you're creating your own barometer. Right. There's no, is it 30 minutes? Is it two hours? Is it 15 minutes? Is it, you know, once that gets flushed out, it's going to keep people out the game. But right now, it's the Wild West of podcasting. Oh, yeah. You know, but once they figure out a format that everybody has to use, they're trying to. If you think what's happening with Nick Cannon and these dudes and uh, all that smoke, those are all corporate programming. Mm. They're all in your space right now. And they're making it like it. They're making it look like they're poor. Like, look at Joe, Joe Budden. That's what that is, right? Mm -hmm. He's in, he's over at Revolt, right? He's at the Revolt studio yeah. where he's shooting, right? Oh, he is. That shit look fat as fuck up in there. The worst place is his set. The worst place in Revolt TV is Joe Budden's goddamn set. They made that shit look shitty. Mm -hmm. That's what makes it Oh, I'm yeah. sure. Is yeah. that is that the uh, I'm athlete? No, no, that's the one where the people from Wildin' Out with Nick Cannon, um, mm -hmm. the DC Young Fly. The, uh, and the other two, Chico being up to their whole set, and I think they with Black Effect now. Okay. But their whole set is kind of like old looking though. But now I don't know if that's the route they were going. I, I think they doing it on purpose. Yeah. It's like there was a time, and even today, it's a little, there was a time in independent film where you had studios making independent movies, right? So it looked like it's a low budget movie. But it's got like eight less actors in it. So the actors cost more than the goddamn movie. So the same thing happening in podcasts. If ESPN is fucking with it, y'all should know what's cracking. Marquette, how Thank can the people guys. reach you? How can they, how can they, uh, oh shit, we're still on this thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can, um, to be honest with you, you cannot reach me. 
You can honestly, um, you know, we, we're, we're slowly getting comfortable with putting up websites now because so many people know about it. I'm a firm believer that um, when you're doing something for a purpose, you don't advertise it because that takes away from what it's really for. It's not about Marquette. But if you want to actually talk to me, I would say the easiest way is to find me on LinkedIn or hit me up on the gram as Marquette JW. Those are probably the only ways that I'll actually respond to be truthful. All right. Another one for the books. Willie, you got, got, got any housekeeping? I know, I'm good. Well, if y'all haven't already, make sure you um, like and subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Uh, also listen to the podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify. Follow us, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and TikTok. Um, and you can find all those links at blackculturepodcast.com. And uh, if you feel, if you would like to support the podcast, you can also hit us up on Cash App at dollar sign Black Culture Podcast. Um, special guest today, really want to thank you for your time, man. Willie, always the Willie Ashford. Sorry, my man, Price. The Black Culture Podcast. Peace.